You're listening to New Churches Podcast, a production of Send Network on newchurches.com. We discuss all things church planting. If you're looking to take your next step toward multiplication, you're in the right place. Newchurches.com provides relevant and reliable resources for church planters, church multipliers, and disciple makers. Our growing library features pastors, planters, and church leaders like Ed Stetzer, David Platt, Trillia Newbell, Christine Hoover, Dahati Lewis, Trevin Wax, and many others. All right, we are back for another amazing episode of the New Churches Podcast. The title often gives away the theme. Well, I guess that's the point of a title. And the title of this episode is The Long View. And probably the title also might give you a hint that we're going to talk to somebody who's been uh, around a little longer than me and someone who's been a little less around. And we'll talk about both. So the episode is The Long View, Church Planting with End Goals in Mind. I've got two guests One's a returning guest. So Sky Smith is the founding pastor of Christ Community Church in Franklin, Tennessee. That's a PCA church he planted with some friends in 1986. After pastoring uh, CCC for 26 years, he resigned in May 2012 to serve uh, the broader Christian community and church, preaching, teaching, and writing. And now he's teacher in residence at West End Community Church in Nashville, which is actually a daughter of Christ Community. Teaches uh, adjunctively at places like Covenant, Westminster, uh, Philadelphia, Redeemer, uh, Dallas, and RTS Orlando. I think that's actually the last time we taught something together. We did something at RTS Orlando yes. back in the day. Yeah. Scotty's written a number of books, including Unveiled Hope, Objects of His Affection, and Everyday Prayers. And Scotty and his wife, Darlene, have two adult children. Okay, so, um, and obviously we're going to talk some of the long view is, uh, Scotty, just, you know, you, you just quickly volunteered your age uh, beforehand. And so how old are you, Scotty? So, uh, my, February 1st, which is Groundhog's Day Eve, I will be 73. Okay, nice. Okay, so that's a, that's older than me. You know, you're you're uh, almost old enough to be my dad. So let's go with that. And then I'm probably old enough to be Adam's dad. I don't know. Adam, how old are you? 32. 32. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, we would be both starting young, but you know, we could, we could, this is like a multi, that makes me feel old, Scotty, that I'm old enough to be his dad. So Adam, um, Adam grew up in a Muslim family, converted to Christianity as a teenager since believing the gospel. He has a consistent vision for church planning and he planted Redemption City Church in the city of Baltimore. Uh, and Adam uh, and his wife, Sherry, have three sons. Adam, what, what did we talk about? We had you on a couple of episodes a while back. What do you remember what we talked about? We talked about conflict amongst uh, teams, nice. which was a bit of a dicey topic. It was. And it was. we also talked about uh, raising up leaders from within. Okay, cool. So what we'll do is in the show notes, if you're just listening now, because, you know, people join this podcast stream. You know, we have over almost 800 episodes of most listened to podcast on church planting in the world today. Um, and so, but we'll link those so you can hear from Adam there as well. Okay, but let's get on to our topic. So, um, you know, church planners are tend to Scotty not to be I remember we were doing I think we we're doing a global church advancement back in our friend Steve exactly. day yep. um, and you know with all these church planners comes in come in and they're uh, you know they're just they they are so drunk with the vision they're so I'm just gonna plant that you know they got the really the the only thing maybe they're thinking about is the launch service I mean it's not even like what do I do the week after I'm struck by how many are like I did this. You know, I remember I started sending uh, Rick Warren, no, 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 never la- no less, uh, 
a message over CompuServe to say, Rick, I had our first service. What do we do now? And I, uh, we just did a, a goodbye video, not goodbye video, a retirement video for him. And I, I cited that. I still had a I screenshot. I showed just for fun. That's how, that's how old I was. But, you know, I mean, you get to the first service, but they don't always think with the end in mind. So go back, 1986, you and your friends planted Christ Community Church. How did you build, or maybe you didn't, but how did you build at the beginning of your ministry of Christ Community Church things that became part of the fabric of the church as it matured? Well, fortunately, I had a spiritual father man named Jack Miller that became my spiritual dad when I was at Westminster Seminary. And Jack had been like two or three years into a major gospel renewal in his own heart, life, and story. And so what the, the advantage I had, Jack was a church planner. He was the one that said, you should go plant that church in Franklin and I'll walk with you. But what I had, Ed, fortunately, with um, a seasoned father who had a real... Uh, missions heart and a real uh, understanding of the gospel, I realized early on, we're going to absolutely need to do the mechanics, but equally the organics, because every image in the Bible of growing a church, it's it's mechanics, but it's organic. It, it's it's harvest oriented. It, it's, it's a seed. It's a, it's a bloom. It's a blossom. It's a bouquet. It's a garden, ultimately. So I think for me, Ed, I had some good coaching early on that would say, uh, you know, Lord's building for eternity, not next week. So it, it was helpful to our DNA. And uh, that continues to serve me well. And I have that longer view more than ever now. Interesting. Okay, good. Now, now again, Adam, you're like, you're like just starting. I mean, so you're, you know, and, and again, I, I recognize that I, I always find it fascinating. And uh, this is, this is going to sound bad as I'm about to ask you a question. I always find it fascinating when like 28 year olds write books on marriage. I'm kind of like, maybe I don't even want to read your book for like, until you've been married for a while. And there was kind of a rash of those in the Christian world. So um, I, I actually, we wouldn't have had you on the program if I wasn't a fan. So don't misunderstand, but <laughs> you're in your first decade of ministry. Are there some things you're trying to build in right now that you're sort of hoping, you don't really know, but you're sort of hoping that will impact the long-term aspirations for what you want Redemption City to be? Or another way to put it, how are you starting with the end in mind? Sure. I mean, we're almost five years in, so we're young, but, you know, we're walking a little bit. We're talking a little bit. We can do some things. Uh, we, You know, when we started the church, we knew we wanted not just to have a service on Sundays, but to start be a part of a church planning movement, to see church plants come, like the church Antioch in Acts 13 to be an, a modern Antioch. And so from the very beginning, we always said that's our vision, to plant, be a church planting movement. And I set up systems and, and values and, and programs and et cetera to build our church towards that. And then we just sent out two of our first church planters, one to Japan, which is the second most unreached people group in the world, and one to another part of Baltimore with 30 people. And some ways that we did that is, you know, I, I just said, I made our vision statement that I started a leadership development program the first day of the church where I'm poured into leaders. And two of those guys in that program are now church planners. Uh, we give 5% of every dollar we mm. receive to church planning. Um, we, from the very beginning, we just had that in mind and worked towards that. And it's, we started to see the beginnings of it and hope in a hundred years, there's like, Fifty more churches from RCC. It's awesome. Now, now you now you know why we want to add them on. I mean, the, the and I would say, Adam, this level of intentionality is not 
as common in church planners as, I mean, that's why we have you on, because I'm guessing for a lot of people, it would be, I'm just trying to plant my first church. But you're, you're past that, that first service. So, Scotty, mm-hmm. I want you to reflect back, because we've been observing, and like I said, you and I were teaching church planning together, it had to be 20 years ago. Yep. Um, and we've been observing church planners for a long time. If you could um, speak as an older, wiser mm-hmm. brother who's gone through some of the stuff, who's seen a lot of church planners come and go, mm-hmm. uh, what advice would you give them to think more intentionally about you know having the end in mind and and what you know contrast that with maybe we've seen i wish there was more of this and less of that if you don't mind yeah no i i would say and i don't want to speak so broadly it just sounds real abstract but it, totally. it's actually real specific for me in terms of you know the um what we did and what i do now with planters that i coach uh i say look you got to live in the whole story of god Re- really uh remember the echoes of Eden that are in your bones. Cause if that, if that church you're planting doesn't smell a little bit like the ache for Eden, something's wrong. Let me cut to the chase here. The entire story of creation, fall, redemption, restoration, we inhabit all four aspects of the story that runs all the way into the new heaven and new earth. And so, you know, to me, Ed, what that has represented is the planter, uh, has to have as a high priority uh, living at all of the story, uh, seeing themselves, first of all, as called to be a character in the story of God before they're a carrier. I mean, a lot of the church planners I've worked with think pragmatically about getting a job done and and they 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 lose what scriptures say is central, which which is a love for Jesus. And I'm thankful that again, I got coached by a man who at the end of his life as a church planter, planted churches locally and internationally, loved Jesus more than he did at the beginning. So um, mm-hmm. stewardship of heart, uh, really beginning to smell the grass of the new heaven and new earth so that you really know what you're doing today is already connected to that. Now, we can talk practically what that looks like, but I mean, as a as an Enneagram five, I'm living in the whole story. But that no matter your personality type, living in the whole story of God. I mean, I preached, as you know, we've been in the city 43 years. I preached a church uh, into Camelot and then into Carlot. You, you stay in any expression of the body of Christ long enough, you will experience rapture and rupture. You will be disappointed and disappointing. You got to have that long view. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And it's interesting because, you know, I have been uh, for the last at the time of this recording for the last few months, I've been living in the UK, living in Oxford and teaching there. And, um, you know, I, I, I didn't go away starstruck, but it was interesting that, you know, every day I lived on this one lane road at this at this uh, manor that was built in 1611. But that wasn't what was fascinating. I walked by this church, St. St. Bartholomew's, and every I take the bus. I didn't have a car. So I'd walk by St. Bartholomew's. And here's a church that has been worshiping in this space for over a thousand years. And, you know, when I was at Moody Church, you know, Moody Church would talk about being the, uh, I was the interim there for four years. It was the oldest extant megachurch in the world. And it was like, oh, look, we're from the 1860s. And they're like, and, you know, they, they call that a new church in England. So, you know, it's like crazy. So, so we want to talk about that kind of longevity. And I really liked, Adam, you talked about, you know, a hundred years from now, I got to tell you, I don't hear a lot of church planners talk about a hundred years from now. So the fact that you, again, the fact that you even said that was, I think, super helpful. So, um, you know, but you are taking actions now that impact 
what is going to be the kind of ministry that's there. So I want both of you, first you, Adam, to talk some about personalizing this, taking, you know, the long views are our theme. Scott has already mentioned taking the long view. Uh, but let's be honest. Uh, you know, I, I kind of, I was looking over a list of church planners that I had been working with from about 20 years ago and about half of them are out of the ministry now. Mm-hmm. So what personally do you do to seek to, in your own spiritual life and family, I'm going to start with Adam, then go to then Scotty, uh, so that you take the long view as a young pastor, Adam, and then I want you to just give advice and just jump right in, Scotty, about what that might look like and what you might encourage. Start with you, Adam. Yeah, well, uh, slow down. Uh, relax. Sabbath. Uh, don't focus so much on the urgent. Focus more on the non-urgent, important things. You can spend so you can spend so much of your early church planning days uh, working on your ministry or working in your ministry rather than working on your ministry. You should be spending just as much time working on the church as you are working in the church. What I mean by that is, it's very easy to focus on the urgent things like I got to preach my sermon this Sunday, I got to lead a staff meeting, I got to deal with this conflict within our membership, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And when you take the long view, I want to do this for the next 50, 100 years, you begin to say, okay, that meeting can wait two weeks. Hey, maybe this sermon is a little shorter, and we can focus on uh, maybe splitting the sermon in half, doing two 20-minute two sermons, and it doesn't have to blow people's minds this Sunday. And I'm going to focus more on uh, developing a leader. I'm going to focus more on developing myself, reading this book, going to this cohort. You just chill out a little bit. And especially in that first year, I was not taking days off, and it was because I did not have that long view. I was thinking my my marathon was a sprint, and when you sprint in marathons, you die. <laughs> so uh, I've just chilled out a little bit, man. Yeah, when you sprint in marathons, you die. That may be Clint. Clint runs our our podcast stuff here, I'm, I'm, that, that's like a bumper phrase to what we're talking about here. Because I think everyone, I mean, again, I, I planted my first church at 21. Don and I did in Buffalo and we sprinted and then we sprinted again in the next church and sprinted again in the next church. So we had a series of sprints that eventually we learned that's not sustainable, but I had to learn the hard way. I was, I was pretty young. So Scotty, um, sprints, not marathons, marathons, not sprints. Give us some more. Yeah. About yeah, yeah, absolutely. You, yeah. I, that was so helpful, Adam. We, we've got to learn to live and to lead at the pace of grace. And for us also with that look like early on, we said, all right, what, what are the, what are the main environments that God clearly says a healthy church is going to attend to. And and for us, we just started thinking and speaking and building and modeling and nurturing in terms of triads, uh, upreach, inreach, outreach. That's not new and novel, but, you know, it's intentional. We focused on uh, hard engagement, the church as a worshiping community, and that was less about kazoos, banjos, and pipe organs. as much. It was more about how do we center ourselves on the worship and glory of God uh, upreach, inreach, you know, if we're not building gospel community, we may raise up a lot of worker bees, but they'll end up fighting each other and competing with each other. So really gospel culture flowing out of, you know, a doxological orientation, which meant for us, our elders would spend uh, one Monday evening a month just praying, not figuring stuff out. We wanted the mm-hmm. elders to be uh, enamored in wonder of Jesus, etc. Third, outreach. Of course, you're not either worshiping God or building significant gospel community if there's not clear intentionality uh, to be a local church, to be involved locally, like you've said, Adam, about a church planting movement. And you know what that also means? Really loving and serving the other church planters in your area that are so different from you. 
and, and, and don't see them as competition, but really learn to be supporters of each other. So that was one thing. Last thing I'd quickly say in terms of just the person of Jesus, uh, you know, the, the, the three primary offices of Christ, Ed and I, you'll remember uh, the important voice of John Frame in a lot sure. of this conversation, but uh, all three offices of Christ, uh, prophet, priest, and king, some churches want to be the teaching church or just the healing church or just the missions church. Uh, Jesus is not Neapolitan Christology, pick your chocolate, strawberry, vanilla. We developed even our worship culture that would say, how are we honoring all three offices of Christ? Uh, enjoying them, surrendering, but also an outward facing to the culture. So that's framework, and it really served us well. And we are on a podcast with a preacher right here. The pace of grace, the Neapolitan. It's, it's <laughs> amazing. Adam, that's what happens when you're old. You just end up, uh, you know, start talking like, uh, you know, babbling brooks or something. But no, it's great. So we good. listen to you all day, Scotty. We listen to you all day. All right. So, so here's the thing, though. Um, and I don't know, Scotty. You may not be the typical church planner personality for, you know, just from our, from what I know about you. But the typical church planner personality. You know, there's my, my friend, Minnie Caliguire. She talks about there there are uh, jet fuel drinkers and there are candle burners and, um, you know, in the Christian life. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a jet fuel drinker and I'm married to a candle burner. So I know uh, some of what she speaks. But on the church planning side, uh, overwhelmingly, these are not particularly contemplative individuals. So you read these books about, you know. I should, you know, even you throwing out the Enneagram. I don't know. Church planners, if church planners are engaging the Enneagram, they're engaging the Enneagram to figure out how to get people to do stuff. Um, so, so, and again, I'm an Enneagram 8, so, you know, my, my life is filled with sin. Um, so, 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 so what would you say, though? Because, again, I remember sitting in that room with you in Orlando. And, I mean, just getting these church planners to slow down with Steve Childers and our friend to say, let's take three days, four days, or whatever it was. I think it was a week of training. Yeah. We did this as a joint RTS class with Global Church Advancement. Yeah. I think it's um, – so So, so these are not naturally inclined people. And yet, that's what attracted them to church planning. We literally assessed them to find entrepreneurial self-starters. And then we're kind of shocked and offended that they're not particularly thoughtful, contemplative, and take the long view. So how do we turn – or do we turn racehorses into something else? Because I've seen the carnage of not taking the long view. Start with you, Scotty, and then go no, to you. Absolutely. Because, yeah, I can speak to this because I had uh, my firstborn ministry burnout at age 50 when our church was doing great. Uh, uh, part of, part of uh, you know, I needed to realize, come to understand, and this was after, after my spiritual father had died, so Jack was not in my life at the time, but I had confused uh, the enjoyment of ministry in a very unique setting in downtown Franklin with enjoying the Lord. So the Lord gave me the gift of a burnout, and I say that because a lot of the work I do now with Christian leaders in all kinds of contexts, church planning, uh, church leaders, senior leaders, or Christian leaders that are working some part of the culture is... You, you you don't have to have a burnout. There's nothing noble about that. And and so uh, the the pacing, the uh, you know what happened after my burnout at age 50 was I finally began to get the counseling I needed. I, 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 I realized that I had allowed myself to see the platform as the place to hide rather than really walking with deep friendship. So uh, it was only after I was 50 that I really began to become, I think, a healthy man. And that has continued to involve uh, relationships, uh, uh, um, the ordering of my day. Now, granted, now I am an empty nester and I'm not a senior pastor of a church, 
But this happened even before then. You know, I I do spend the better part of my day early in the morning meditating, praying. Uh, here's what, let me throw this out here because this is kind of new to me, but it's, it's, it's become helpful. Leaders of any kind, if you think about Jesus as true, good, and beautiful, which is a triad that philosophers from many different backgrounds use about the truth, the goodness, and the beauty. All right, church planners, I've known, are pastors. What you tend to lose first is the beauty, then you lose the goodness, and then you're struggling just to be a defender of truth. We have to train leaders to see God as beautiful, that they might feast upon his goodness and, and not just be defenders of the truth. And this last three years in our culture, we've just, it's just been a, a free for all in terms of who's more right than the next guy. So yeah, it's right. Okay. I'm going to come back to you, Adam, in just a second, but I want to come back to Scotty here. And Scotty, I, I want to say this in a, I want to be careful. So is that a little bit of an older man's luxury to say, now I become more, you know, in my fifties, I went to counseling and all, et cetera, et cetera. Cause church planning is tends to be younger. Um, and you know, and for me, I got to tell you, you know, I'm at a place in a stage where I feel like I'm growing in my, it's slowing down. I wasn't good at that in my twenties. And so do, should we say to people in their twenties that you need to do these things now, or, or should we let them run at the pace they're trying to run? What is our response? Because lots of church planners are listening to this in their 20s and saying, sure, in my 50s, I'll go to counseling and slow down too. Yeah, 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 yeah. The whole point of that was this. I, I, I really wish I did not have to have wait through a burnout because, okay. I mean, I'm walking with younger guys now, teaching in seminaries, walking with church planners, three church planners in the UK over where you are. I walk with a guy in, in City Church Manchester, one in downtown Edinburgh, and one in Northern Ireland. And this is what I'm hammering now. Your heart communion with the Lord, your love for realizing that you are to be the steward of an informed mind and an inflamed heart. And so there's things we can put in place early on for the leader, which really begins to say, uh, and Jack Miller told me this, he said, Scotty, a a mark of your growing in the gospel is who are you going to be willing to disappoint? Hmm. And church planners, we can be approval sucks. But if we're not enjoying the Lord, I mean, the only thing I ever wrote down in the one 1984 NIV Bible I still carry around is this. Jack said, what will all your labors avail if you're no longer enjoying the Lord? And so we've got to, we got to, you know, go back to the basics, but maybe the basics, not of the pragmatics, but really knowing God, uh, worshiping the Lord. uh, and and he this is his story. It's his covenant. He will bring to completion what he began. Let's participate in it. So no, twenty year olds. Um, I'm I'm finding now that the 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 good news for some church planners. You mean I don't have to work eighty hours a week? <laughs> yeah, if you do, that's called idolatry. So oh, come on, come on. All right, no, I, I mean I agree with you. I'm just I'm just trying to think what I would have thought. As oh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And so, uh, so Adam, Adam, I mean, here you are, you're, you're younger than both of us by decades. So, mm-hmm. um, and, but you know, again, we have you on here because we're seeing you and walking in some of these ways. What advice would you give to that young church planter who's right now saying, man, I'm just not sure I can do that. I gotta, I gotta plant this church and I got work to do. Well, I think the, first of all, that, per, the reason that person feels rushed and urgent is because the structure of church planning almost uh, requires you to be. I mean, you have you have fiscally, you have money support that's running out. I've got to get us to self sustainability by this time, three years in, four years in, or else. You know, I got to get this momentum going and keep the momentum going. So, 
I have all these urgent needs of people, in, especially in cities, that need my help. I need someone who needs a house. I need somebody who needs food. I need somebody who needs counseling. So just everything in church planning screams urgency, screams meet all those needs. And you have got to just soak your heart in the truths of the gospel that God is the one who builds this church, he says. Hebrews 1, that Jesus purified our sins and then he sat down. So the king of the universe is sitting right now, chilling. So we can too. That Jesus, who was the best church planner of all time, was never rushed. That he had Middle Eastern meals. I don't know if you've ever had a Middle Eastern meal, but that's a long meal, man. A lot of hummus for Middle Eastern meals. He was... He was developing leaders. And so do you really believe that God is the God over the momentum of your church plan, over the finances of your church plan, over the success success or health or even existence of it? And if you really believe that, you'll pray a lot more, you'll Sabbath a lot more, you'll chill a lot more, you'll play some more golf, you have a hobby, and you won't work 80 hours like Scotty says. We're going to end with that fascinating, helpful conversation. Church Planner, let me encourage you, take that long view and to dwell in the beauty of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to the New Churches Podcast. Again, we'll talk to you on the next episode. You've been listening to the New Churches Podcast, brought to you by Send Network. If you like what you heard, take a few minutes to rate and review us or share this episode with a friend. It's the best way to show your support. To find more reliable resources to start your new church well, visit newchurches.com.